are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Tuesday here on the Steve Day Show podcast edition here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. We're back after a long, relaxing, and here in the Midwest at least, a very, very warm weekend. But you know, I'm finding as I get older, dude, bring the heat. I I will take mind-numbing heat over bone jarring, you're in a ditch and your wife spun out again. Uh, winner, any day of the week, twice on Sunday, man. Any, I, I totally get the whole snowbird thing as, I, as I'm hitting in my mid 40s. I didn't get it years ago. I'm feeling you right now. Totally feeling you. Like, I love this heat. I got so much done. And you know what? In the end, just need a break, go down to the basement where the AC is the coolest. I ain't shoveling my driveway, man, because the concrete's too hot. Can I get a witness? Give me the heat. Well, we got the heat in the Midwest this weekend. Uh, Aaron, I know you went out to the Northwest, right? Yeah, I was um, doing a very, very large favor for my girlfriend's parents. Um, But yeah, drove a, a big truck from just south of Vancouver all the way back to Cedar Rapids. So what was the weather like out there? Just a little bit cooler. Yeah, a little bit cooler, and that's typical for. Yep. I mean, that, that's that that part of the country. If taxes weren't too high, as high as they currently are, I should say, with the weather and the Pacific time zone. So, like during college football season, the games are on from like nine a.m., yeah. but then they're done at like six at night. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I would do that. I would live on that part of the country, but it's just way too expensive, man. Mm-hmm. Taxes are way too high. What would you do, Todd? I totally believe that in the not-too-distant future, you are going to make a lifestyle change simply for the television availability of college football. <laughs> that that was real news right there, folks. Uh, yeah, what did I do or what did we I are, learn? We are less than 90 days until the season begins, by the way. Yeah. Seriously? Yes, it's less than 90 days. Yeah. It's baseball season. Baseball. Brewers are in first place. So what did I do or what did I learn? What are we, what'd you ask me? What are we talking about? What'd you do over Memorial Day? Uh, I was a soccer speaking. Right. Yeah. Anyway, well, let us know how, <laughs> how your Memorial Day went. Obviously, Todd. Unless it involves soccer. Yeah, obviously, Todd is a pathetic soul. Uh, Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. We just wrapped up production for today's CRTV show. Should we give the audience a little preview? Todd, I'll give you a chance to redeem yourself. A non-soccer referenced preview of our CRTV show coming later today. Well, uh, by redeeming myself, I'll just... uh throw props uh, your direction uh starting off the show you know you, you get in that uh, long weekend and you feel kind of relaxed and sometimes it's hard to pull the cobwebs off but right out of the gate uh well aaron's montage uh a lot of depressing in there and then but steve you just took the one right off the top at the nfl and you did a uh glorious uh redux of you so dumb but with a little bit more crankiness so you really you weren't sleepy at all yet the week started again you you we would have all excused you if you were but um 
yeah, the NFL, uh, you, you went after them, hammer and tongs. It, in my career, going back to Cubs sports reporter at the Des Moines Register, my first beat covering minor league hockey in 1996, to full-time radio, sports talk radio in 2000, and then full-time news talk radio in 2006. And since 2011, I've had my own media company producing multimedia content, columns, video, audio, et cetera. In my media career, I have never seen a topic make people collectively dumber than the NFL anthem policy issue. It, I, it was... In the first two months of this... Job-like NFL. testing to just not lose like every friend curse every trump connection i had on this curse trump and die yeah i mean it's just it it i've just never seen right more collective stupid and a lot of it comes from what i've said for years the only thing worse than liberal mainstream media is liberal sports media twice the dumb all the bias all right and i had to resist because i'm I'm going to be doing more sports later this year. We'll have an announcement about that here, I think, pretty soon. You know, we uh, we produce this Michigan podcast thing, Aaron and I do, for fun. And a lot of it is just to give me an outlet to, you know, not talk about politics all the time. I I almost broke my vow, man. So many times, some of the, just some of the idiotic, self-refuting statements I saw sports media hack after sports media hack after sports media hack litter my Twitter feed with over the weekend. And I I nearly broke my vow that I was not going to allow politics and the culture war to seep in to my part-time sports pursuits. I almost broke that vow like six times. I finally had to just walk away. I'm like, I, I because I knew once I go down that road, man, I'm, I can't get off it. You know what I'm saying? But I, but I struggle too because I can't abide open stupidity. You know that about me. I just, I cannot do it. If there is open stupidity, stupidity, I must confront it. Well, that's so, a full-time job these days. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like my, my bio of my actual Twitter account says, I originally got into this to slay progressivism and then I found something I detest even more, your horse bucky. Yeah, I can't, you know, um, I, I just sit around all day at that BS, BS, BS. I'm doing BS or not. That's essentially what my job is now. I, I just call BS or not all day long. Those two, those two impulses were in great conflict. You could, you probably could feel a great disturbance in the force from wherever you were watching the One World Government's leisure arm, known as soccer. You could probably sense the tension within me uh, because these these two instincts of confront, dismantle, destroy, deconstruct, and decompose all stupidity in your midst. You know me, I'm the Terminator where stupidity is concerned. I can't help myself. It's just the way I was made. So there's there's stupidity on the one hand. On the other hand, there is my, I need a safe space. I need a place where this doesn't encompass everything I do my entire life. And man, the streams, Ghostbusters. I, I was Finally, I just had to say, you're killing independent George, and I just had to walk away. Yeah, and when that NFL season starts, Steve, what happens two months after the NFL season starts? The election and now with this policy now it's it's win-win for the for non-progressives it, it's if this policy works and cleans it up win if they go nuts again also a win uh, it, the dumb and the one who is dumb as last loses 
continues to trend hard in favor of a GOP who may not want to win, but it doesn't matter. Aaron, what stood out to you about the show today? I had a great conversation, I thought, with uh, Jonathan Williams, not the composer. Uh, Jonathan Williams is an economist with uh, Alec, and he explains what uh, Alec is and uh, what they do. Uh, so I'll let him do that if you watch the TV show. But talked about, basically had a conversation about the best run and worst run states. And it does a little bit deeper dive into whether or not your state actually has, you know, state income tax, which most do, or, um, you know, what the tax rate is, if it is, um, you know, if it does have income tax. It goes a deep dive, and there are some sub- some sub- surprising um circumstances and surprising outcomes of their study of the rich and poor states rich states and poor states is the name of the study uh so you want to take check that out interesting conversation with jonathan williams of uh, alec today well if you want to watch today's crtv show here is how you can do it you need to subscribe to crtv and if you use my name as a promo code you'll get access to a discounted subscription it'll cost you about a quarter a day that's it quarter of a day quarter a day to watch not just our show but the great one mark levin stephen crowder michelle malkin all the shows we produce each and every day exclusively here at crtv.com promo code dace that's d-e-a-c-e and you can get started with crtv today we also have a free time trial so uh before the trial period expires if you don't like us just cancel you won't be charged at all but i gotta think we're worth a quarter a day i mean i i you know i'm not i'm not you know me i i i I kind of, you know, boast in my low self-esteem, but I got to believe we're worth a quarter a day, guys. I, I just have to believe that. Okay, maybe not. But yeah, somebody the out there needs to yeah. believe we're worth a quarter a day so we can still keep being worth a quarter a day. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. All right, let's begin our Pop Culture Tuesday podcast. And I'm going to tell you right now, we are going to be the only outlet in America that is not going to um, do our pop culture hot takes on the demise of Roseanne. The story was breaking while we were working today. I didn't much care about the reboot of Roseanne's show in the first place. Um, I don't understand this fascination that we have as a movement with taking celebrities or people who are would-be celebrities, no matter how broken, damaged they have proven in their past to be, and if they if they if they latch on to one or two talking points we agree with, but they're wretched bad on everything else. Like Roseanne's pro LGBT, pro rainbow jihad, pro baby killing. She's right on Israel. Okay, great. You know, she thinks a sovereign state shouldn't get annihilated off the map by terrorist groups. So for that now, that's our, you know, she's our, she's our pop culture entry point. And then how you lose the moral high ground to Valerie Jarrett, of all people, also goes to show you're a pretty damaged person if you're losing the moral high ground to Valerie Jarrett, but she managed to find the place. And now her show, which was raking in like 17 million viewers or something, right? Just because it was ABC's only non-communist offering, basically. Now it's canceled. She gave them the excuse they wanted. That you know, I, I thought along they put her back on the air to prove, thinking the show would not be successful because they're totally out of touch with mainstream America. And the show blew up. 
And so now ABC's like, well, what do we do? You know, we kind of thought this, there's no way this is this openly pro-Trump show was going to play, and it's playing bigly. Yeah, just sit around and wait for Roseanne to remind everybody she's still Roseanne. Today she did. Now she's toast. And, you know, a bunch of folks on our side who decided that we desperately... Now, over the weekend, I saw it was Louis Farrakhan. Louis Farrakhan, another vicious anti-Semite cult leader who ought to be in a hole. And, and then we throw away the hole. Said, like, something about something. I don't remember what it was. And now I'm seeing some conservatives are like, oh, yeah, I mean, well, he's right about this. You know, you know John Wayne Gacy was great with watercolors. I, I don't care. I mean, when, when we started digging up bones of children he murdered in his yard, you kind of lost the, but he has a wonderful singing voice argument. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're kind of forfeit. You're canceled. You're done. So, I mean, it's great that you don't think, you know, you're not an open anti-Semite. How about affording those, uh, you know, three million babies a year that, plan, that we're killing? Uh, how, or one million babies a year we're killing. How about affording them maybe some of the same grace you're willing to offer, uh, you know, uh, Israeli sovereignty? I, I, I don't know why we need, we just crave, desire, mainstream acceptance from pop culture. It's just an when, outcropping when, of, of everybody's, what we were talking about be, between the shows, everybody wants to be recognized and everybody wants to be affirmed. I think that's just an outcropping of that uh, base uh, human desire left unchecked. Yeah. And, and you know what? We're getting it. That's what's ironic. We, how many more times have we... Ref- I mean, there was a movie last year that was nominated for Best Picture whose plot line was a bunch of white progressives are actually racist stealing black people's blackness. We've talked about the Malthusian ethics of Thanos. We've done shows and podcasts on Wonder Woman's complementarianism and salvation by grace. I mean, they're borrowing our themes, right? They're giving us affirmation. They took a biblical allegory and a wrinkle in time and they tried to Oprah paganize it and the thing freaking flopped. We're getting affirmation all over the place. You know, we're just not getting it from individual celebrity brands. So what? Who cares? I thought we were the movement of ideas and not personalities. And isn't that what we grew up? What you grew up here in Todd? The yeah, left, but I stopped believing the, it was true a while ago. <laughs> yeah, I stopped believing it's true sometime around the late fall, twenty fifteen. But that's not important now. But um, all my life, we were the left's the party of celebrities. We're the we're the group. We're the movement of ideas. We're winning on the ideas. They're, they all almost every successful thing pop culture is doing right now, except for like porn. Uh, almost every other successful thing they're doing is borrowing liberally from our ideology. Okay, so the individual celebrities hate us. I actually get off more on that. I get off more on Liam Neeson playing the voice of Aslan claiming he's not a Christological allegory because it just shows me what a desperate fool, not to mention he's a whore. He's happy to take the money for playing a Christological allegory while he's out there practicing cognitive dissonance on camera pretending uh, I'm not a Christological allegory as I play a Christological allegory. I guess I get off on this. I, I get, I, maybe I'm just different than other people. I, 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 rather than you pretending to affirm me when I know that you don't, I get off more on making people who I know hate me still doing what I want them and need them to do. But maybe I'm just crazy. I 
kind of thought it was kind of a masculine instinct to kind of think it was cool to dominate your opponents. You know, thou dost prepare us to table for me in the presence of my enemies. Thou makes my enemies into a footstool. I kind of thought that was how dudes rolled. But I guess we don't do that anymore, Todd. Now it's like, well, you know, um, uh, they said something nice once in a song. And so we're going to make him a Fox News contributor. That's kind of what we do now. We just we want we want our own team of celebs. You know, so hey, if if you were like the ninth character on Clueless twenty five years ago, you too can be a Fox News regular and then run your ass for Congress and get negative nine percent and drop out six months before the primary. Not that I mention anybody specific, but this is what we do. Do we not do this all the time? I guess I kind of do want to talk about this now. Don't we do this all the time? Yes, we do. Because we just no qualification other than I was I have an IMDb page and I said something nice about a Republican once. So you're baby, fire up the prince, baby, you're a star. That's what we do. Yeah, what social media has very much done is taken a ugly seed that's always been there, but to quote Spinal Tap turned it up to 11 i mean you have grown men veterans of the military call themselves conservative but if you pay attention to them on a regular basis it seems like their base desire is is that the same thing as like a a 15 year old girl do do i look pretty today that that's yes. what you're talking about we just it we've gotten in there and everybody is so which speaks to the hollywood thing like that and then you you have this illusion when you're in especially twitter and every once in a while you i mean you've talked before about surreal like who who is the um the the black actor who you had a back and forth with uh and we talked about it on the show and you said it was kind of surreal i mean he was he's older than us and he was from oh it was a rapper wasn't it it? it was oh yeah i'll be sure i'll be sure yeah but but that that stuff happens and people uh, so guys like uh from the show brian stelter he i mean he he does the faux journalist thing on there but you know when the cameras are off on there i mean he they fancy themselves as a celebrity you want me on that wall you need me they're really uh, they 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 might as well put a cape on they think they're action heroes that's what they want to be they we are holding the republic up and they get in on twitter and they're part of this smart set and it speaks to the movie um the post i couldn't believe did you ever see the post the about the one that just came out meryl streep and tom hanks hell no well but he like you were telling us to see Get Out, it had a moment of honesty I absolutely didn't expect. From both Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks were, t- we were, we we got way too close. I got way too close to Jack Kennedy. I was going out to all these dinner parties. I was biased. They just admit it in the film. It's made by Steven Spielberg. Same thing with um, what's her name? Who uh, the the former you know the widow who took over the post for her husband i don't remember her real life name played by meryl streep yeah all the jet setting they they admit it in that movie but there's no lessons to be learned nick christa that's a moment no the journalism didn't look at that and say hmm it's it's not fawning the movie is just simply not fawning about modern day journalism um but the fact that a movie was made about journalism is all that they want to think of uh think about See, I, I would rather have that talking point than Tom Hanks says to give President Trump a chance the day after the election. But even though he's 
then going to go out and support every left-wing cause. But we, we want... See, that's the great secret here. We desire the celebrity pop culture affirmation yeah. every bit as much, if not even more than the left does, because yes. they've had it at their disposal all this time. Yeah. And so we will, uh, we will align with clown shows and um, we will overinflate uh, people and associations if anything to show we are the mainstream. While we are already the mainstream, because as my buddy Ted Barrett, Movie Guide, points out every year, what types of films dominate the box office every year? The stuff with their worldview or the stuff with ours? Guys, it's not even close. It's the stuff with ours. It's not even close. But we need to have star A or star B or star C. We, we want them to like us too. And so we set ourselves up for uh, episodes like what happened with Roseanne today, and it will happen again. And I think that's actually a good segue to what we were going to do most of this about. Because we talked about you 2 last week on our Pop Culture Tuesday podcast coming out in favor of killing their own countrymen before they're born. And Ireland did have a pretty solid vote to repeal its Eighth Amendment over the weekend. And so it will now essentially allow you to kill your child because it's Tuesday and, you know, the weathermen had the barometric pressure off after being one of the last remaining real pro-life nations left in the West. Go Catholic Ireland! Yes. I mean, what you... Share with our audience the tweet you put out about letting the snakes back in. I I don't want I couldn't do it justice. Share that with our audience. Oh, uh, without having it right before me, um, it was something along the lines of uh, Pope Francis's uh, impact in Ireland has been uh, so profound uh, that the snakes have returned to thunderous applause. Hmm. And hashtag wrath. Yikes. That's what... Boy. And then instantly some Catholic got on me. This is, you know, parts of all kinds of things, and he didn't cause it. So instantly they're strong. I didn't say he caused this. I said exactly what I meant. I said his impact, his pontificate as the vicar of Christ on the faith, and I further said, you know, you what as a Catholic, what, what faith do you have in the Holy Spirit as executed through the Vicar of Christ that you expect no impact, apparently, mm-hmm. and make all of these worldly excuses? And I flat out called him a Judas, and I didn't hear back from him from that. <laughs> sometimes you're my spirit animal. I like you sometimes. I, I do. In spite of myself, I, I like you sometimes. And in spite of this whole thing with soccer. Yeah, I know, and I've even mentioned soccer on this show. You know what? You have been redeemed, my child. You'll even take soccer if I, I keep will. coming through like that. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to drop more bombs like that, I'll even, I might give you like what Dan Patrick used to do, one minute of soccer a day. Remember he used to do that when one of his guys on his team liked was a soccer fan? He gave him one minute and we time him. Yeah. And he could only talk about soccer for one minute. When the minute was done, he was done. I might permit you oh. one minute of soccer if you continue to drop those kinds of bombs. So I'll just dangle that little carrot out there for you. Well, that's because, and we've talked about this, and you've turned it around on your own, never, ever, ever let somebody from the other faith tribe, Protestant, Catholic, be first in line to criticize your faith. Say, no, no, no. Steve, I got this. My tribe. 
I'm going to beat him up. You don't even have to worry about it. And that's how we'll never have another bloody war between Protestants and Catholics. And so when some evangelical um, uh, goes crazy in terms of, you know, again on our show, the Trump prophecy is coming apparently. If I, if the Catholic starts ranting first, Steve's, no, 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 no. I, yeah, I actually know the I'm terminology. To, yes. I know I know every shibboleth to slay. This is my team. I got this one. Exactly. And then <laughs> there's no bloodshed, at least between the tribes. Within the tribe, you do your own bloodshedding. Well, some of the response we got to our podcast about Bono last week kind of accused us of what we are noting here. Oh, Maybe wow. we've been a little celebrity blinded. And and I've got we got a lot of email reaction along those lines, and I've got three that I thought sort of summarized all the various emails I got about our podcast about mm. you two last week, okay? okay. Um, this is from Tony. And Tony has sent me numerous emails, all right, about his, and I, numerous, maybe I don't want to blow it out of proportion because I can think of maybe like three, all right? So my apologies there. He has sent me several emails about his, his, um, his, his views on Catholicism, which is he views it as anathema. Okay. Tony's fun. <laughs> he, but I thought this, I, I think it, you should, you need to leave room for criticism so you don't build your own echo chamber. And every once in a while, even someone you think might be off on a, an obsessive tip can throw some meat that you probably need, could use to consume, Right. So I want to share this note from Tony. He says, after listening to you and Todd express shock and dismay regarding the recent anti-life actions of Bono because of his supposedly Christian beliefs, I frankly was surprised. I thought it's always been sort of well known that Bono and you 2 are just one of those many celebrities and bands that mix Christian rhetoric in with their syncretistic worldview, which they openly advocate in their music and concerts. In fact, our friends at the Babylon Bee have a parody, right. I've tweeted it out today, have a parody along those lines with now that um, Ireland's uh, abortion vote has come and gone, Bono and you 2 will go back to pretending to be Christians again. Okay? Even a cursory, Tony writes, even a cursory look at some of their concert footage will reveal some pretty dark moments, such as them singing Sympathy for the Devil, prancing around in devil's horns, chanting Coexist, while showing the big Coexist logo in lights above the stage. You may think I'm out to lunch when it comes to Rome, but this one is a slam dunk, my friend. You guys have been conned. Check it out for yourself. Watch some of the concert footage on YouTube if you wish. Just watch the first nine minutes of this video to see a perfect example of Bono saying one thing and doing another. Their words sound right, but the actions are something completely different. Didn't you guys do seven deadly worldviews earlier in January on the and, uh, and devote one whole episode to the evil of syncretism? Yes, we did. Absolutely. That's in my series. Bono and you two are the ultimate syncretist wolves in sheep's clothing. If you even did cursory a bit of research on this, you'd know because it's clear. Sorry for the snark. Sometimes I love you. I just get frustrated with you. <laughs> Tony might know me better than I thought after all. <laughs> Do you know like everybody in my life who cares about me would say that? <laughs> um, I, I'm not a concert guy. I, I'm trying to remember the last concert I've went to. 
that like my daughter wasn't performing in. You know, it's wow. Um, Mercy Me, Michael W. Smith. I remember the last like pop music concert I went to. Um, and it's not that you know I'm just lazy. I've got a nice man cave. I just you know watch it in my room and not be disturbed by crowds or things of that nature. You know, um, I went to Page. I went to the Page Plant reunion tour when it came to Iowa State up at Hilton. That was in like in 1995. So that was a while ago. So I'm just not a big concert guy. I think you've told me before you've been to some U2 concerts, yeah, right? Yeah. Have you seen any of the stuff that Tony's talking about? I mean, I looked at the links that some of the stuff he talked about is is sitting right there on video. I mean, have you heard like the Coexist chants and all that other kind of stuff in the past? I recall none of that, but I don't, I mean, of course, right? he says they sang Sympathy for the Devil. I don't exactly know what he's indicting them of for singing that song. I mean, that that's not... De- uh, that's not devil Depending worship. on the context, yeah. I mean, uh, just so just so the audience knows, I would when I when I, I when I wrote a nefarious plot, and I talked about this before. I, you know, I sent the proposal for this most recent book I just finished. I sent it on Valentine's Day. I turned in a fifty-six thousand word manuscript on May twenty-second, so barely three months. Nefarious took me a year to write, and it's not fifty-six thousand words. And the reason it took me longer, a year to write, is because I was spiritually uncomfortable being in his shoes for long periods of time. So I, I had to put the book on a shelf for weeks and months on end, because I could just kind of feel like, there's, there's a line I, I write on behalf of Nefarious early in the book, when you stare long enough into the mouth of madness, after a while it starts staring back at you, mm-hmm. you know? I... I I, I wasn't comfortable walking in his shoes for very long periods of time. So it took me longer to write that book than it did Rules for Patriots or or this most recent one that's coming out next year or maybe even before Christmas. I'm waiting to hear about that here pretty soon. But um, when I needed to get back in the mood, there were a couple of times after I put Nefarious on the shelf for weeks or even a couple of months on end, I'd just sit around as I got back because the way I write is I had to go back and read the beginning of the manuscript Make sure the continuity and everything lined up, and get start reading from the beginning, and then pick up where I left off. And to kind of get myself back in the flow, I'd I'd fire up "Sympathy for the Devil" by the Rolling Stones, and sometimes just kind of listen to it in the loop on the background and back on the background just to get myself in character, so to speak. I mean, I wasn't devil worshiping per se. I would call it research. So, but um, I I think you can't just be automatic about that. But if you look at it in the context of some of the other things they said, I, there's certainly syncretism there. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think he's right about but that. I, I don't think. I think that's we were the point we were making though, is isn't that they weren't syncretistic? We we simply said that uh, within this culture that is so homogenized, you two. And again, he Tony can't argue with that. He is there anybody within pop culture that has been more overt in their argument about the Lord liar lunatic argument than Bono? Multiple no, times. And that that is what's odd for being syncretistic. Yes, is to pro, is to proclaim the lordship of Jesus Christ. Yes, while at the same time, and I think that's where 
this is not your typical Jim that, Wallace, Tony Campolo, Campolo, Rachel Held, Evans. It's just mush. Over here, yeah. Lord Liar Lunatic, and way over here, is kill the babies. Is Fluger the priest in Chicago? Yes, Fluger. Okay, yes, that yes. was at Obama's church. Yes. This is not that where no. you're communist all the way through. Right. Okay. Um, and I think that's now. Tony could come back and say, and I'm sure reading some of Tony's emails in the past, if you were here, he probably would. He'd come back and say, and that's why they're even better at it because they're not oh. as over. They copy. They know what your talking points are. Father Fluger wouldn't last five minutes talking right. to focus right. on the family, right? Right. I mean, you you would literally, the sulfur would come through your computer speaker as you watch the video on YouTube. You would know, he, he would, he would, you, you would watch his mouth or Tony Campolo types, you'd watch their mouth morph into a forked tongue while you're watching it in real time. That's what he would, Tony, the guy like Tony would argue, that's what makes these guys really good. They are comfortable speaking to people like you. Because they've been making money off of people like you for thirty-five well, hey, years. I'll look now that and they didn't. They didn't pull back. The election happened. It is uh, what it was. Yeah, they're going to help. They're gonna, they enabled the murder yeah. of some of their own country. So, There's no listen, way to pull any strings me, on that. I I absolutely uh, will see and view you two through entirely uh, different uh, lens now. I, but my faith wasn't resting on the prophet Bono either. We were simply doing a diagnosis of he he the. It wasn't the usual. We didn't use the term, I don't think, ever. But we did. This wasn't the usual syncretism. I mean, the, there was meat on the bone. Now he may, it may have been really lying, which speaks to your point. It may have been uh, all the more a bigger ruse, or this is just another example of how ridiculously messed up we become as a culture. The stakes are getting higher and higher. Um, but none of, I mean, we we didn't get played. I I knew exactly who you two was. Okay, I might have gotten played. And one of the reasons why is I don't pay much attention to all the other periphery stuff, especially, well, I, I did when I was younger. That's why I know a lot of you, the YouTube trivia from, you know, the unforgettable fire days and, mm-hmm. and act tongue baby and the Joshua tree, because I could give you all kinds of musical backstory and trivia on uh, 90s grunge and Beatles music and 80s pop, because that was the time in my life I was immersed in that in those cultures as I've gotten older you know I don't and and as, as I've taken my faith more seriously I just don't have as much room in my in my in my life or in my thinking to be as immersed in that stuff so I wasn't as aware of several of the openly syncretistic things that many of you in the or several of you in the audience sent me over the last week that was kind of new to me because you have to also understand when I got turned on to YouTube, I was not a Christian. I didn't have the Holy Spirit at work in my life. Well, it was, but not in a, in a macro sense, but I mean in an individual guiding me direct sense, you know, I had a severed connection with my creator. So my discernment and those sorts of things, you know, Aren't, weren't in 1988 or in 1993 what they are today. Aaron, I want to get your response to this one from Beth Callahan. Okay. She says, as a former liberal socialist Christian who not only was pro-homosexual rights and pro-choice, I wanted to give you a who was who was who was 
pro-homosexual rights and pro-choice, I wanted to give you a perspective on you too. All left-leaning Christians don't feel that God is a God of judgment, just one of love. I know because I was one of those. I saw only one side of the cross and not the entire picture. They don't realize that the cross is bathed in Christ's blood, so they're all about their ideas of grace and mercy. I don't believe that the members of you two aren't believers, but they either don't know the Bible well enough to know which behaviors um, are, are, are condemned, which I believe is the case since I didn't, or they think that Paul was just applying it to the early church and, and we've progressed since then. As for the pro-life deal, I was pro-life just for myself. I didn't think I should force my beliefs on another person. After all, they, ne- they never came out defending Alfie Evans either, did they? In a nutshell, I don't think they're progressives, but I do think they're liberal Christians. Being so, they can be pro-life for themselves and pro-choice for everybody else. Plus, they can feel the same way when it comes to things like sexual behaviors. Your thoughts on that? First of all, um, we don't... Are we God? No, we're not. So we, we can't... We can't look at people's hearts. We don't know the true status of their salvation. So um, when we're trying to discern and use uh, some of the skills of discernment and discrimination, not in the sense that it's used today, but in the actual meaning of the word discrimination, some of those, some of those gifts that God has given us, um, mainly uh, our brain, we, we use logic and we use things like philosophy and within philosophy, Occam's razor, uh, to determine and make distinctions between one thing or another and to determine what, um, what truth is. Uh, first of all, I will go back to what I said last week. And what I said last week, I said in a very specific order. I said, first of all, um, God does not need you two. God does not need Bono. They're not just so special that we absolutely have to have them on our side. I said that very uh, intentionally because I don't think it's I, I don't get my I don't get my knickers in a wad when somebody who's well known who maybe agrees with us on something uh, then uh, disagrees with us on it's just it's I said that at the top of 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 my response last week. Secondarily, uh, what I what I said as well is that well why is our response or what was our response when they came out? And we're uh, in huge support of of gay marriage, and they have been for for some some time. And it, there was yeah, some situation. I did not even know that. Sh- some situation back in 2016 where that was at the forefront. Why? What was our response then? Um, and why would this be much different? And, and you know, it is a different situation. But as far as the worldview that it comes from, um, and this is where I'll get around to um, this listener's note and feedback is I would say if it um, walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, if it looks like a duck, um, it, it's probably applying Occam's razor to that. Simplest explanation, when all others have been exhausted, must be true. It's probably a duck. So if, um, you know, if you too, if Bono is pro-abortion, pro-rainbow uh, jihad, um, if he's pro more government, what, what do all those things have in common with progressives? I would say all those things have, are in common with progressives. So I, you know, liberal Christian progressive, um, you know, there's, there's, I, I, th- I, I think I can say this without making a judgment about the state of, of Bono and the edges souls. 
even though they said good things in the past, they're progressives. They've just succumbed to the spirit of the age, guys. That's 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 all there is to it. Mm-hmm. The only reason why we're talking about Bono and The Edge and U2 is because it's Bono, The Edge, and U2, and they're really well known. They're no, they're human beings too. They have a huge platform, but they're also human beings. Um, so don't, don't I, I again don't 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 get your knickers in a wad if somebody uh, that you thought maybe was Christian or agreed with you uh, then turns around and does something that you deem to be or from your perception is just totally out of character for them. They're they're human beings. You don't need them to affirm you. That's all I have to say. One last uh, comment, video or email on this topic. Um, I was listening to you guys' this podcast on U2's tweet on the abortion referendum. Um, and it brings to mind some of the things I've been wanting to say to you guys about your show for a while. Uh, maybe it was you or Todd mentioned that as Christians, we are desperate for believers in our culture. Uh, famous believers. We want famous people is what we were talking about. While I'm guilty of it too, as Christians, we shouldn't be desperate for that. Scripture says we are to be different than culture, not a different shade of culture. I agree. You know, what's ironic is in many respects, the latching on to Roseanne, who, by the way, I was just looking, just looking, Eric Erickson dug out back during the Chick-fil-A controversy in 2012. Um, he dug out a tweet of her saying, um, Chick-fil-A uh, customers deserve to get cancer. Yeah. My hero. Yeah, and so because she said something nice about Trump and might be pro-Israel, which that could all be a scam just to get attention. She could just be someone whose career was flailing and said, hey, there's an audience there. Let's move where the food is, as another great comedian, Sam Kinison, used to say. We don't know. You know, just like she might have been genuflecting to the PC gods when she insulted us on Chick-fil-A Day. I mean, that's the thing. You don't know what's real and what's not. But how many of the same people hammering you two for supporting this latched on to Roseanne because she said one or two things that you liked after she got done personally insulting your belief system and wishing death upon you, right? Yeah. That's not a form of syncretism. You bet it is. Yes. You bet it is. And I think that's what our emailer here, Steve, is alluding to. He says, we do this because our fallen nature is opposed to God. And he brings, he, he, he shares with me the scripture where the people go to the, the great judge, Samuel. And they say, give us a king so we can be like everybody else. I mean, I know, I know, I know we get to report directly to the only living God in the universe, but... That's so passe. Give us a guy, give us a human being who's flawed and will tax the hell out of us and draft our kids to go off and die for war like all the pagan countries around us have. That's just so much of a better option. So, I mean, that's a great analogy that Steve draws. You're right. We have, we have made this, we've done this behavior numerous times. One of the saddest stories in the Bible that often goes overlooked, is it, is it the sons of Korah? Is that who I'm thinking of? Is that the family that challenges Moses's, uh uh, Moses' authority. And God is so tired of listening to this family complain and grumble about Moses because they're really not grumbling about Moses. Who put Moses in charge? 
God. God. So they're really grumbling and complaining about who? God. God. Okay. And so God says, hey, tomorrow, tell you what, go, go get all the tribes and all the clans of Israel. Go get all the Jews. Round them all up. Once and for all, we're going to settle this. Who I, who's in charge here? Because it ain't really Moses. It's me. And they come out the next morning. All the tribes, all the clans of Israel are out there. And God makes the earth swallow this rebellious family alive, whole. Gone. They're just wiped out right in full view. Dude just took his belt off right there, man. This is like the divine version of a trip to the woodshed. This was like God just said, hey, go pick your switch. and Bring it back. I've had enough. You would think folks would like, I'm coming so correct right now. I've never been more correct in my life after witnessing something like that, right? You would think that. Think this is in numbers where this happens. Eh, yeah. Well, you would think that, but that's actually not what happens. Like the very next chapter begins with, the next morning people went to Moses grumbling. You did not do right by the Lord's people. They thought this was an unfair punishment. Think about that for a second. You literally just watched the most powerful being, really the only powerful being in the universe, let's be honest, really the only one. When you you really boil it down, there's really only one powerful being in the universe, God. And you watched him take time out from everything else he's doing to manage the cosmos because you have been such an ingrate. You have been so rebellious that he needs to make an example out of you for time and memoriam. And he does it, man. In a way only he could. This isn't subtle. This is like, how you like me now? This is like an E.F. Hutton commercial. Remember those when we were kids? Sure. When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. <laughs> that's what happens. Well, that's what you think should happen. The next morning, people are like, yeah, that really wasn't right, what you did to those people. First of all, what did Moses do? Not a con, pick a thing. He just kind of stood there. All right. He's like Elf. He shows up at his dad's office. Okay, I'm here now. He doesn't do anything. He, he has no power. All the authority Moses has is given to him by God. And what happens when Moses disobeys God's authority? Uh, he gets punished. Like, you don't get to go into the promised land that you sacrificed the, your whole life for. You don't get to go. Moses is held to the same standard everybody else is. He's a servant leader. And yet, witnessing this divine spanking. Like, if you have siblings and daddy took his belt off, kind of the natural inclination is like, at least for the rest of the day, be real respectful of mama. Because daddy... Taking, daddy taking his belt off once is hard. Once it's off, though, using it two or three, four times, we believe in recycling here in this house. It's warmed up. Yeah, we're ready to go. All right? So you better come correct the rest of the day at least. Next morning, people line up to Moses. That just wasn't right. It wasn't fair what you did to those people. Blows my mind every time I read that story. And then I have to stop and think about how many times I've done that. 
how many times I have witnessed God's power in my life and then still gone and done my own thing because that's what I wanted to do. Steve also mentions that uh, you mentioned recently to not put your faith or hope in you guys because you'll surely let us down. I must admit, I appreciate what you, Todd, and Aaron do very much. And I think you're right on about most things, but you can't disappoint me because in the end, I know you're just a dude like me or even an Elijah. There are things I don't agree with you about. Admittedly, sometimes I check your show for sexual content before I watch. Because sometimes I think I can't watch or it goes beyond what my witness wants to tolerate. However, you don't disappoint me because my hope isn't in you. Unfortunately, a lot of people do put their hopes in things like Tim Tebow, Hobby Lobby, Chick-fil-A. Because somehow we think those things are set apart, but they aren't. No, they're not. If we found out this really attractive prime physical condition, 29-year-old man, Tim Tebow, if we find out that he actually isn't a virgin, does it sully any of those night to shines he's done for people with disabilities and other folks in our culture and society that a, a growing legion of people are saying we shouldn't even let those people be born? Does it sully any of that? No, it doesn't. Doesn't mean that we necessarily approve of that behavior at the exact same time, but I think what Steve's alluding to is we have a hard time multitasking. So it's either kind of you're the hostess with the mostess or Sia wouldn't want to be you. Lastly, you mentioned recently on a recent show that's, that you guys have been receiving more and more emails on testimonies and religious questions than ever before. Part of that is because you guys are people, a lot of people I think feel like they can relate to but another part of it is because of what you guys do with your show in our culture is you're fitting the definition of what a lot of people want to see as a believer in our culture. And that brings me to you two in this tweet. Bono is just a man like me, like you. They're going to disappoint, and this is one of those times. You two doesn't set our path, and we don't follow them. As believers, we now have a choice to support them financially by downloading more of their music, sing them in concert, etc. Most importantly, our prayer should be for you two to finish their race well. There are so many men in the Bible that don't do that. Boy, he's right yeah. about that. Most don't do that. Most don't. That letter is the answer to the first letter, in my opinion, to Tony's letter. I, I agree wholeheartedly with every sentiment there. I don't. I, 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 our our conversation about uh, Bono and U two was long. I, I mean, that felt like a totally normal show. It's what we do all the time. It was a worldview show. I mean, and none of, uh, despite the fact that you and I grew up with you two, the most, I mean, the, uh, the the Beatles, arguably, of our particular yeah. generation. Yeah, I, was, I was listening over the weekend, Sirius XM had the top 100 Beatles yeah. songs, Countdown, voted on by fans. Yeah. The first song they did that was overtly political was on Revolver, and it was Taxman. And it was George Harrison was, they were starting to make some real money now. And this is before. This was before Sergeant Pepper, mm -hmm. and they were they had become stars. But this is before they'd become transcendent forces of nature. Sure. They were on the cusp of that, and they're getting real royalty checks in the mail now. There's one for you, nineteen for me. They literally had a ninety-five percent top marginal tax rate in the UK at the time, 
And he's like naming the head of the Labor Party and the head of the conservative Tory Party who were back and forth as the prime minister in that era. And he's dropping bombs on him. What are you doing with my money? Why are we, you know, I'm not working. I'm working for you, obviously. I'm not working for me. Well, this is like their first overtly political song. Later, John Lennon, in the height of their hippie era, does writes Revolution, where he, he talks about uh, a strain of the left that is embracing death and violence and Chairman Mao and communism kills people and he's not signing up yeah. for that. We could take those two songs. Do we agree with those sentiments? Sure we do. Does that mean there there's conservatives now? Does that mean there are heroes now? There are spirit animals now? Because that's kind of what we do a lot, right? Absolutely. That's kind of what we do a lot. Might just mean that they're just right about this and other times, you know, when they write about songs um, that, you know, are overt uh, drug references, for example, that we don't agree with that. Maybe they're not anything. Maybe they're just talented and broken people who need Jesus. And when they don't have him, they, they do really stupid stuff. Maybe it's just that. There's Occam's, Occam's uh, razor for you. Yeah, it doesn't get much simpler than that. No. But I do think overall, Tony raised some valid concerns that maybe one of the reasons I didn't, I wasn't aware of some of the things that have come up here is I didn't want to be aware because I got some fanboy in me. And I think we need to be willing to, to hold ourselves accountable consistently. And sometimes we need to do it with the people that it's grating to hold ourselves accountable to. I'm not talking like crazy, but um, the integrity of every movement is defined by its contrarians. And even if you think they're totally off, are you at least willing to listen to the uncomfortable questions that they ask? Will you at least entertain them? The minute you stop doing that, it's when you become the very echo chamber that you originally as a movement were formed in response to the previous echo chamber that preceded you. I, I totally agree. And and uh, there's uh, many arguments from Scripture to be made about the dangers of uh, syncretism. But uh, every bit is interesting and more interesting to me, quite frankly, is uh, the direction. I think we were going down uh, with people of who who have made it clear that they are followers of Christ. They go out of their way, which uh, Bono has on many occasions, and then does things that ultimately the response to which scripturally is the Lord say, uh, the so a guy like Bono says, I did this, I did this, and this in your name. And the Lord says, yeah, and I hardly knew you. Mm-hmm. That's more fascinating to me. And that's, I think, what we were trying to wrap our brains around uh, on the show without dismissing the fact that, I mean, everybody, and Aaron uh, nailed it, you know, we don't, no no one, I can't remember the last time I put in my, I, one of my U2 CDs from back in the day. If I hear them, it's back on the radio. More recently, again, it is what comes across my Twitter feed. Oh, here's what Bono said. Here's what Bono said about this, and it just happened again. Um, that's what we do uh, on this show, uh, and our analysis, um, I just, there were no blinders there was no yeah i don't know what they did at their concert a week ago perhaps um but um it's way more interesting these days that we have a lot of christians that are a lot like bono who they 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 would they call themselves that they wouldn't dare 
deny it overtly, but in in all manner of uh, of action, they don't they don't match up. Bono's just the latest example of that, and Tony knows a lot of people in his own life that I'm quite certain he likes that have the same problem. So um, I don't well I don't don't go the other direction and be too legalistic. We, Bono, what we just saw with Bono is what we see with us every day. A remarkable process of sanctification that happened that needs to happen day in and day out. And as brothers in Christ, do we just throw them under the bus? Sometimes we have to and shake the dust from our feet, or do we reach out to a brother and say, "Man, really stepped in at this time." Yeah, that's what I appreciated so much about the last part of Steve's answer as well. And what you just said, Todd, is what's our response? Because that was kind of what I got was the, the thrust of the conversation last year or last week. Um, what is our what is our response when somebody who we maybe thought was previously pretty solid, rock solid on something and then they turn around and they do something that's head scratching? What's our response? Well, we don't curse the darkness. We have access to the most, well, as you said, the only powerful being in the universe. And as Steve said at the end, the, the listener Steve, um, need to pray. We have access to the only powerful being in the universe. Need to pray for Bono. Lots of us don't, as big of a platform as he has, hardly any of us have direct access to Bono. So we can't reach out to him and say, well, you know, um, you need to change your ways or, you know, what, look what you're doing here. So I appreciated that from Steve, especially. That'll do it for our podcast here today. Thank you for tuning in. Hey, if you get a chance to click subscribe on your platform that you listen to this every day, we would appreciate it. Thank you to those of you who already have. And if you've got time today to leave us a positive review, that definitely helps us to get the word out. And a lot of you have already done that too. So we thank you for that as well. Don't forget, CRTV.com is how you can watch that show today. Use my name as a promo code to get a discounted subscription just a quarter a day. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.